Have you ever been in a spot where you knew the odds were stacked against you? You knew there was no way you could win. You knew that if you chose to stand up for what was right, if you chose fight instead of flight, you risked losing everything. And yet, in spite of all of that, you chose to stand for what you knew to be right, no matter the cost. That, my friend, is a man of steel. That is what makes a super man of God. Well, welcome to the Point of Purity podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, certified professional mentor, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. This is episode 134. In this week's episode, we continue our journey through my book entitled, Are You a Superman of God Becoming God's Man of Steel? This week's episode is entitled, Dude, Do Right. Over the next couple of episodes, we're going to take a look at three supermen of God, three men of steel, three men who knew what it meant to stand in the gap, square up against the enemy, and watch God win the battle. Now, our goal in this week's episode is to understand that God's man of steel does what is right, even when the odds are stacked up against him. Let me repeat that. God's man of steel does what is right, even when the odds are stacked up against him. So let me introduce you to our first man of steel from the scriptures named Joshua. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8, it says this, These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joshua Shebeth, a Tachmanite. He was chief of the three. He wielded his spear against 800 whom he killed at one time, 2 Samuel 23, 8. Now, wait, wait, wait a minute. Did you catch what I just read? This guy killed 800 men at one time. Now, that is a man of steel. The scriptures tell us that Joshua was a Tachmanite. Now, we're, we're, we're talking William Wallace, Maximus Decimus Meridius, and John Rambo all wrapped up into one. Dude, you don't want to mess with this guy. And in this part of the story, Joshua finds himself in a rather tight situation. He's facing impossible odds. He is surrounded by 800 men who want him dead. 800 to 1. The likelihood of victory, let let alone survival, doesn't look very good for poor old Joshua. And here's our hero facing a critical decision, a A terrifying, life-changing decision. Do I turn tail and run like crazy? Or do I stand my ground and fight? Okay, now now guys, I got to ask, what would you do in that situation? I mean, really, really, what would you do? Who in their right mind would choose to stick around in the face of those odds, 800 to 1? Well, the answer is apparently Joshua. I want you to remember and not forget that these 800 men weren't wimps. They weren't wusses. They weren't pansies. Joshua wasn't facing a bunch of green-behind-the-ears farmers armed with pitchforks. And let me interject here. If you're a farmer, I mean absolutely no offense, unless you start charging me with a pitchfork right now. But these were, my, my point is this, these were seasoned warriors with sharpened blades in hand. They had multiple notches in their belts, if you know what I mean. These 800 bloodthirsty warriors had one specific target, Joshua. They had one specific goal, Joshua's death. So by all accounts, Joshua should have been easy pickings. 
And yet the Bible says that he wielded his spear against all 800 and slaughtered every one of them. <laughs> Imagine with me for just a moment that you, you're Philistine warrior number 562. I wonder what, have been, what would have been going on through your mind as you stood there watching your comrades drop like flies at the might of this Takmanite. And suddenly he sets his eyes on you. And here he comes, spear drawn, charging forward. Now, I can't answer for you, but I'm fairly positive that I'd be throwing my sword down on the ground, holding my hands up in front of me, shouting, whoa, 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 seriously, wait a minute, wait a minute. How are you doing this? Dude, who are you? I can just imagine the huge smile coming across Joshua's face as, as he pounds his chest and says, I'm Joshua Besebeth, the Tachmanite, commander of the armies of the north, general of the fearless legions, loyal servant to the true king, father of a murdered son, husband of a murdered wife, and I will have my revenge, if not in this life, then in the next. Okay, I got a bit carried away. Uh, I'm fairly certain Joshua didn't actually say those exact words since I was just quoting from the movie Gladiator, but, but hopefully you get my drift. But have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a spot where you knew the odds were stacked against you? You knew there was absolutely no way that you could win. You knew that if you chose to stand up for what was right, if you chose fight instead of flight, you risked losing everything. And yet, in spite of all of that, you choose to stand for what you know to be right, no matter the cost. That, guys, that is a man of steel. That is what makes a superman of God. Let me go a little bit deeper. I'm talking about the business owner who stands up and says, no, I will not compromise God's standards just so I can get this sale or, or save a few extra bucks. I'm talking about the employee who sees what's going on behind the scenes and under the table and refuses to be a part of it, even if it means his job. I'm talking about the teenager who refuses to do what everybody else is doing when he knows it's wrong, even though he's experiencing a, a relentless barrage of constant teasing and taunting of his peers, he stands his ground. I'm also talking about the guy who says no and turns and walks the other way when he's tempted to lust and commit adultery. Here's my point. We're, we're talking about a mindset that says no retreat. Remember, in the story of Joshua, he, he was not some superman from the planet Krypton. He, he wasn't gifted with the force. He wasn't wearing a, a precious golden ring that gave him special abilities. <clears throat> no, he was just a normal, ordinary, everyday kind of guy. But he was a guy who was fully yielded, completely surrendered to the lordship and leadership of the almighty, all-powerful God of the universe. And so Joshua told, chose to, to stand his ground in the face of certain defeat and a shout out to the enemy, you shall not pass. And then he fought. And he fought with every fiber of his being until the task was accomplished. And I want to submit that Joshua knew what you and I need to know. With God on our side, we have nothing and no one to fear. In Isaiah 41, verse 13, God says, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Isaiah 41, 13. 
Listen, the only way that you will overcome, the only way that you will know victory when defeat feels certain, the only way that you can and will effectively say no in the face of temptation when it comes knocking on your heart's door, the only way you can consistently be God's man of steel is to completely surrender, totally yielding yourself to the lordship and leadership of the almighty, all-powerful God of the universe in your life. Not sometime this week, not tomorrow, not even in a few hours from now. It's right now, right here, right now, right now, right now, right now, ad infinitum. The fact is, we face a foe that is far greater than 800 Philistine warriors. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we are warned that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In other words, we are, as Christian believers, to every moment of every day, give no opportunity to the devil, Ephesians 4.27. So let me pose this question to you. In what ways have you been choosing to give the enemy a foothold in your life, and why? Okay, so here's where we're at in our Superman study. God's man of steel chooses to do what's right, even when the odds are stacked up against him. We saw our first example, a great example of that, in the life of Joshua as he stood against 800 Philistines and saw God work an amazing miracle. Here's our second characteristic. God, uh, God's man of steel doesn't give up, even when no one stands with him. Let me repeat that. God's man of steel, a superman of God, does not give up even when no one stands with him. Now, here's what I'd like to do over the next couple of minutes. I'm going to take a few moments here, and I'm going to actually read to you I've got my book that I wrote, Are You a Superman? How to Become God's Man of Steel. I've got it right here in front of me. And I want to read uh, a few paragraphs of of this uh, particular chapter to you. So here we go. Let me introduce you to Eliezer the Ahohite. Now, this guy is the epitome of a normal, ordinary, everyday guy. He was discontented with life. Nothing seemed to bring him happiness. So he tried various get-rich-quick schemes that got him in debt up to his eyeballs. Bottom line, he was in emotional and psychological distress as a result of some of the really bad choices he had made. Looking for a way out, he heard a rumor about a group of guys who were heading up to Agilum to pledge their loyalty to the one and only David the Giant Slayer. Now, there was a guy with promise. There was a guy who was going places. There was a guy Eliezer definitely wanted to meet. Upon his arrival at David's camp, Eliezer was led to the mouth of a cave and simply told to wait. Looking around, he was shocked at what he saw, or rather at what he didn't see. There were no royal banners flying high. There were no servants bustling about. In fact, There really wasn't much of anything very impressive, just a few guys sitting on rocks looking bored or or scared, or both. After a few moments, this short, young, scrawny-looking kid strode out of the cave. With a big smile on his face, he introduced himself as David. Eliezer was surprised. Definitely not what he was expecting. 
Could this really be the famous giant slayer he had heard so much about? He is so small and so, well, so skinny. After a quick tour of the camp and a lengthy explanation as to why David was there, Eliezer decided he'd like to join that motley crew. Now, the accommodations weren't all that great. Living in a cave certainly had its perks. Your creditors couldn't find you. You certainly didn't have to worry much about housekeeping. But the dank surroundings, along with the stench of a bunch of guys camping out who hadn't bathed in weeks, certainly had the drawbacks. A week or so later, as the sun was beginning to rise in the east, a scout came running into the cave with a report of a legion of Philistine soldiers camping out on the other side of the large field just a short distance away. David decided it was worth checking out, so he and his group of misfits grabbed their swords and headed out. Eliezer stood to David's left as they gathered at the opposite end of the field, cautiously surveying the Philistine encampment. The smoke rising from the enemy's campfire sat heavy on the countryside. Through the early morning haze, he could see distorted shapes of soldiers walking about. The sounds of their swords clanking and their guttural laughs left Eliezer with a solid weight rapidly growing at the bottom of his gut. Suddenly, David cupped his hands to his mouth, took a deep breath, and began to taunt and tease the Philistines. Eliezer watched as, one by one, his friends and cohorts followed David's lead. He he couldn't believe what he was seeing. Seriously, were they actually standing here yelling at the Philistines like a bunch of schoolyard kids? Come on, guys, Eliezer thought. What are you doing? What do you think is going to happen if you start poking at a hornet's nest? Well, sure enough, as if on cue, the Philistine soldiers came pouring out of their tents, charging across the field toward David and his group of misfit warriors. Eliezer watched them come. He saw the bloodlust in their eyes. His own blood turned cold at the sound of their screams for revenge. Before he even knew what was happening, his sword was in his hand. All right, David, let's take these guys. We can do this, he shouted. No response. David? Looking side to side, neither David nor his friends were anywhere to be seen. Hearing a sound behind him, he quickly spun on his heel, ready to defend himself, only to see the shrinking backsides of his friends as they hightailed it out of there. Stunned, he looked at the onslaught of warriors coming at him, and then back at his friends. Eliezer was faced with a terrifying, life-changing decision. Do I live to fight another day? Or is today a good day to die? Shrugging his shoulders, he turned to face the enemy. Planting his feet firmly in place, Eliezer raised his sword high and shouted, Bring it, because you shall not pass. Okay, thank you for investing the time to listen to that story. And and by the way, if you're interested in knowing more, let me encourage you to go to Amazon.com today and purchase your copy of Are You a Superman of God, Becoming God's Man of Steel. But let let me wrap this up. Samuel says in 2 Samuel 23, verses 9 and 10, that the men of Israel retreated. But Eliezer stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. 2 Samuel 23, 9 and 10. One man, one decision, One God, one amazing victory. Guys, watch this now. The ability to defeat the enemy 
was not within Eliezer. He could never have struck down every Philistine on that battlefield on his own. The only reason he could defeat the enemy, the only reason he was able to come away from that encounter in absolute victory, the only reason Eliezer was God's man of steel that day was because he had chosen to fully yield himself to the lordship and leadership of the almighty, all-powerful God of the universe. And as a result, Eliezer became a tool in God's hand. Now, it was not Eliezer who won that victory. It was the Lord. 2 Samuel 23, verse 10 tells us that God enabled Eliezer to fight, and the Lord brought about a great victory that day. Anytime, anytime you try to fight the enemy in your own power, you will fail. Guaranteed. It is only with God that you and I will gain the victory. Why? Because only God can trample our enemies. In fact, the psalmist declares in Psalm 108, verse 13, that through God, we will do valiantly. It is God who will will tread down, excuse me, it is God who will tread down our adversaries. Psalm 108, verse 13. God was with Eliezer when he faced down those Philistines all by himself. Yes, God gave Eliezer the victory, but Eliezer had to fight and he had to fight alone. He had to fight long, and he had to fight hard. In fact, he fought, the scriptures tell us he fought so long and so hard that he got the mother of all muscle cramps, and his hand literally froze to the sword. When the battle was over, after he had dispatched the last Philistine soldier, Eliezer drops to his knees, exhausted, covered in sweat and blood. He tips his head back, screams in sheer agony as he slowly pries his fingers off the hilt of his sword. As Eliezer fought, he gave it his all. That, my friend, that is a man of steel. That is a mighty man of God. So not only does God's man of steel have a mindset that says no retreat, he also says no reserve. I will hold nothing back. I will give everything I am and everything I have for my king. So how about it, guys? Are you ready right here and right now to give everything you are and everything you have for your king no matter what? No, you may be asked to stand on the battlefield alone. You may be required to fight the fight of faith with no one else standing by your side. But do you understand that when you surrender to the lordship and leadership of God in your life, you are guaranteed the victory? Why? Because the almighty, all-powerful God of the universe is right there on the battlefield with you. Truly, we can do all things through Christ because he gives us his strength. Philippians 4.13 and 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Okay, let's let's hit the pause button until next week's episode as we continue our journey through my book, Are You a Superman? How to Become God's Man of Steel. Now, if you'd like to learn more about today's study, or, or if you're interested in learning more about our ministry, the Pyramid Ministry, or, or the book, uh, Are You a Superman? Be sure to visit our website. There's a multitude of resources that are available to you as you're pursuing after purity and godliness and integrity in your life. You can find our website at www.thepuritycoach, all one word, thepurity, P-U-R-I-T-Y, coach.com. And if you're a subscriber to this podcast, then over these episodes, you've heard me often talk about our Point of Purity program. 
It's a 12-week, one-on-one, Bible-centered coaching program where I sit down with you individually. It's not a group setting. I sit down with you individually, and, and, and we go through the scriptures to teach you how to develop a lifelong strategic plan for sexual purity. I often talk on this podcast about the various books I've written, all of which are available on Amazon. All you got to do is a search for my name, Steve Etner, and you will see how you can purchase any and all of my books. We are a faith-based, donor-supported ministry. So everything we do, not just what I've mentioned, but so much more, is only made possible by our team of ministry partners who are giving financially to this ministry. Some are giving a one-time gift. Some are giving monthly gifts. Some are giving just whenever they can. But you need to understand this without compromise. The Pure Man Ministry, the Purity Coach, shows men and women how to have a continuous relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship that is real, and that is personal, and that is biblical. Now, to that end, to be quite honest with you, we are in need of ongoing financial assistance from partners like you who are committed to providing hope and helping men and women across the globe win their personal battle against the beast of sexual impurity. So if this Point of Purity podcast has been a blessing to you, if it's ministered to you, if it's encouraged you, if it's challenged your walk with Christ, would you please prayerfully consider joining our team of Point of Purity partners as we seek to continue impacting our world by equipping and training men from the scriptures and women from scripture and how to, how to live in purity, godliness, and integrity. Your financial gift, your tax-deductible support of any amount to this ministry go a long way toward helping men and women find the victory and freedom that only Christ can and will give. So if you're interested in supporting our ministry and giving that tax-deductible gift today, simply go to our website, thepuritycoach.com, and click on the Donate button that's in the upper right corner. And thank you so much for partnering with us. Well, if you've not subscribed to this podcast yet, let me encourage you to do so today. I don't want you to miss any of our upcoming episodes. So until next time, this is author, speaker, certified professional mentor, and purity coach Steve Etner reminding you that if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, He must first be glorified in your every moment thinking. you.